that. Yeah, and I mean, the, the score doesn't represent how that game went at all. The Chiefs dominated from the get-go. Special teams last week against the Colts was a failure for the Chiefs right away. It showed up, got the fumble on the opening kickoff. And when you're the Buccaneers, you want to implement that run game. And when you go down early to the Chiefs, you can't implement the run game. I mean, you had only six rushing attempts all game. It's incredible what the Chiefs did. And I think the Chiefs defense is getting more credit now than they have all year even though they've played well all year long. So I think the Chiefs defense showed up in a big time, and it was great to see that. And I think everyone still maybe didn't see Tom Brady in his prime. I mean, Tom Brady looked really good still. He threw the ball so many times against the Chiefs, and he put up those yards. Uh, what was one team that has surprised you so far uh, this NFL season? Well, man, the Eagles. I didn't think the Eagles could go 4-0 and this season, but, I mean, seeing a lot of, seeing a lot of good – uh, especially like offensive strategy from the Eagles this year. So I think, uh, you know, I, initially I thought they were going to be another – I thought they were going to be the opposite. I th- thought they were going to go 0-4. But, you know, they proved me wrong. It's a, it's a crazy season out there in the NFL. Dude, any given week anyone can win. And right now the Eagles are hot. They're hot right now. And I think the biggest key for them so far has been inside the trenches. That offensive line and defensive line for both sides of the uh, – the team has been great for them. Uh, Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's older brother on the Eagles, was on that Super Bowl team. He's been playing phenomenal. And I think Jalen Hurts is actually showing that he is who they thought he was. He can run with the ball, and he's throwing some really good passes. And I think it's also showing how big that trade for A.J. Brown was during that draft. He's he's come pivotal for this team. Uh, I think another team that's actually been surprising in a sense, and I'll say in a bad way, has been the Denver Broncos. I mean, <sighs> Denver has not shown up, and when your coach, Nathaniel Hackett, is supposed to be the offensive-minded coach, he is, and the biggest problem on your team is the offense, there's something wrong with that team. Yeah, and you know, it might not even be Nathaniel Hackett's fault. Now, I'm not giving him any credit or anything, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of it might be the talent. You know, they got Russell Wilson, but they're just sitting comfortable with Russell Wilson. Right, you gotta make you gotta make adjustments. Uh, who's you have Sun and you have Judy out there, but you're not making those throws. Exactly, yeah. And then you have now you have Jav- uh, Williams going down. And he's out for the season, so now you gotta lean on Melvin Gordon, who in the last 44 carries he's had has fumbled five times, which is not good. So we'll see what the Broncos can do. Uh, if you had to rank uh, your top five teams right now after uh, so far in the season, who how would you rank them? Ooh really kind of putting me on the spot here well I mean uh obviously I'm probably gonna put the Eagles on top only undefeated team uh I don't you know I don't know if that's a fair comparison to some others just because of the opponents they played but I mean the Eagles really showing out so they're probably my number one number two I'd say is the Chiefs uh Chiefs you know we got a tough schedule so it's uh but they've really been showing out going three and one that one loss to the Indianapolis Colts you know a little bit shameful but I, I think overall the team's performed a lot, uh, a lot better, and I think the defense is, you know, especially last week really came out. Um, number three, you know, you know, what? I'll do top three. I don't, I don't think it's fair. Okay. To, I, don't okay. th- I don't think uh, I have you, rain to do a top. You, three. Right, right, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll do a top three. So, number three, I don't know. Um, I think I'll go ahead and say the the Buffalo Bills. You know, uh, Josh Allen's really been impressing me this season. He impresses me all the time, but uh, really been impressing me this season. They're, you know, uh, they got a lot of people out right now, but, you know, the Bills themselves are now. They're down, but they're not out. They got a lot of injuries, um, but they're they're playing really well for the amount of injuries, you know, for the amount of people out on their roster right now. So I got to give credit to the Bills. I think they're they're my number three. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, I'm looking at my power rankings. I won't go f- all in detail of my top ten, but – my top three are the same exact as yours, and it's kind of funny because you, you never saw my notes. You never saw what mine was. No, I didn't. Uh, but a key fact, you've been talking about how you think the opponents for the Eagles maybe haven't been as strong as other opponents. They lead the league in big plays, and big plays are over 15 yards. They have 36 big plays over 15 yards this season on offense. Right. I'm not saying they're not doing a fantastic job. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to compare opponents, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what the fair comparison is to that, but – uh, you know, that's why they ego- that reason right there, their big plays. That's that's pro- that's why they're my number one. Yeah, and the Chiefs I as well have as number two. They are the number two scoring offense in the NFL right now, 
And I think something that still gets overlooked, because I think, I don't know if we've been so, if we're just getting relaxed with Patrick Mahomes, but this offense is probably the most uh, unique and creative offense you'll see out there with the play calling Andy Reid and Enemy make, and then you have Patrick Mahomes out there. People thought they were going to slow down. They might slow down with the big plays on offense, but they still have playmakers all over the field now. Yeah, uh, what was it? I think it was last week. Didn't they run? They ran something like a Wildcat offense or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had they had McKinnon, uh, Alaire, and I think they had Pacheco all in the backfield. McKinnon takes the snap and hands it off to Clyde. And then you also have Noah Gray taking a QB sneak because you know what happened when Patrick Mahomes right. takes the QB sneak. So they always have something unique going on. And then obviously you always have those ad-lib plays that Patrick Mahomes makes where you're just like, what is happening and how does he make those plays? And then for number three, I as well have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they lead the league in points and yard differential against their opponents, which that is one key to keep in mind. And also they've outscored their opponents 44 to nothing going, out, uh, going through the third quarter. So they haven't gave up a single point right in the third quarter. Uh, that's insane. It shows you how they're making adjustments at halftime, which you would love to see when you're a defensive head coach-minded. Especially when they're having it so tough, you know, with all with – uh, what is it, eight injuries? Oh, yeah. Eight, it, that, that defense, like, they're practice squad pretty much out there playing because mm-hmm. of how injured they are, and they're still winning games. So I'm gonna, I've got four games, I think, that are key games this week. and I'll let you predict. I have my prediction already. I'll let you predict what you think the outcome is. The first game is the, the London game. You've got the New York Giants versus the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are an eight-point favorite. How do you see that game going? Well, honestly, I, I see the Packers winning, but, you know, the Giants uh, – Giants, have, they're a sleeper team, I feel like. So uh, uh, I feel like the Packers are going to win, but it's not going to be a huge margin. It's going uh, to be a close game within 14 points, I think. So I'll pick the Packers within 14 points. Yeah, and I think, I think the Packers actually kind of scared me a little bit last week when they played the, the Patriots and they were letting Zapp be the third-string quarterback stick around and went into overtime. So now I'm a little shaky with the Packers, but I do believe the Packers will win. And I, I think it'll actually be closer than that. I'll say it'll be a four-point game, actually. Four-point game. Yeah. Uh, then the second game I have is the Atlanta Falcons versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Uh, who do you like in that game? I mean, obviously I'm going to like the Buccaneers in that game. I mean, they, they, got, they got who they consider the GOAT. You know, Tom Brady, they have uh, Mike Evans, and they have, all, they have all these, you know, powerful offensive Offensive weapons out there, the Falcons. I mean, let's face it: the past couple of years, they've been they've been kind of going downhill a little bit. Um, y- you know, I never want to count them out, but obviously, I'm going to pick the Bucks in that one. So, yeah, I think a big thing is is Cordell Patterson, the running back. He was placed on IR. That's a huge loss. I just don't know where this offense goes for Atlanta, and Tampa Bay's getting healthy. I mean, you got to think about it. the last two weeks they've been getting back their players, especially against Green Bay. They didn't have any wide receivers. Last week they got some of them back. So I think, I think Tampa Bay is on the rise. Uh, their defense kind of scared me a little bit last week against the Chiefs, but that is the Chiefs' offense, so you can't take too much from it. I like the Bucks, and I'll, I'll say they win. I, I say they'll win by more than eight points against the Falcons. Uh, the Sunday night football game looks very intriguing. You got the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. Who do you like in that one? That oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> All right, you got you have two young quarterbacks. Uh, you got Joe Shiesty out there, you know, just tearing it up. You know, he's he's good with the deep ball. I feel like uh, against the the Ravens sec, uh, secondary, he'll perform pretty well. But man, I mean, you, Lamar Jackson, uh, as fast as he is, and as quick thinking as he is, I think that's going to cause a little bit of trouble for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, as far as my prediction, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'll take the Bengals, but it's going to be very close, I feel like. I yeah. feel like it's going to be a very close game. Yeah, the Ravens are three-point favorites. They are at home, so it kind of makes sense. And I am leaning towards the way you are. I think Cincinnati can pull it out just because of Jamar Chase and those wide receivers out there that will make those plays against that poor secondary that Baltimore Ravens have. You know Lamar Jackson's going to make his plays on offense. It's going to be a great battle. Like you said, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson's going to go head-to-head on Sunday night in primetime. I think it's going to be a great game, AFC North. I think these two teams are the top two teams in the division in the AFC North, and I think if the Bengals can take this game, it'll feel like they're back into this the season because they started 0-2, went three straight, you're now 3-2, and you're looking good. 
I do like the Bengals to win, but I think it's going to be like two points. It's going to be very tight throughout the whole game. Yeah, very close margin, definitely. And then my upset of the week is I do believe the uh, Dallas Cowboys will beat the Los Angeles Rams. I like the Cowboys' front seven over that offensive line for the Rams. The Rams haven't looked good at all this year. Cooper, Cooper Cup's going to do what he's going to do, but uh, you got to get somebody else efficient and more activated into that offense when you're Stafford. He hasn't been looking good out there at all this year. Yeah, I think uh, the transition to the Rams is really kind of getting to him, especially with, you know, how the Rams have been doing. They're coming off a of Super Bowl and everything, but, you know, as we've seen in the past, a lot of those Super Bowl teams don't end up uh, really impressing anybody right after that. Um, it's It's tough to say whether – uh, Cowboys will win that. I do like the fire coming from the Cowboys. Like you said, they're front seven. Um, uh, I'll I'll tell you what. I'm going to pick the Rams, okay. but I'm only going to pick them by, let's say, a field goal. I'm going to make it a very close game there. So you, so you think the Cowboys will cover the four-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah, I, I think uh, think they'll cover, cover the four-and-a-half-point favorite, but I think it's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Rams out on top. Right. Very close game. Very close game. So – I like those picks. I think those are really good picks. Um, very in-depth. Uh, do you think – I'll ask you this. Do you think if Dak Prescott was playing, would you feel more comfortable picking the Cowboys than with Cooper Cooper Rush? You know, I would. I would feel more comfortable if it was Dak Prescott out there. Um, I, by then, I'd say Cowboys might win it by a touchdown. But uh, the way they are right now, I, you know, I still got to give it to the Rams. Okay. My last question to you. I'm putting you on the spot one more time. <laughs> all right. Who is your early Super Bowl pick? Ooh, all right. Well, you know what? Eagles are looking good right now. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to stay with the 4-0 right now and go with the Eagles there for the NFC. Uh, as far as the AFC, um, I'm going to pick the Bills this year. Okay. I'm going to pick the Bills to be Super Not Bowl being the favorites. homer. I like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I obviously I want the Chiefs to go, but uh, you got to think when you get into the postseason and when you get into the playoffs, uh, I think ultimately on top it's probably going to, you know, if the Chiefs and the Bills face each other in the AFC Championship, definitely I think uh, Bills are going to be angry about the outcome of the last game, and I think, uh, I think it's going to be the Bills coming out on top there. Yeah, it's going to be an insane game. Uh I think if that happens, it would be great. I, I said on my very first episode on the radio who my early Super Bowl favorites were, and if they forgot, I did say it was going to be the Eagles versus the Chiefs. So I have – the Eagles look pretty good for the early Super Bowl prediction before the season even started. Hopefully they can keep it up. Uh, Jalen Hurts can keep his MVP run, if you want to call it up. People considering him for MVP. It'll be interesting. The AFC is loaded, so that's the biggest part with the Chiefs is – when you go from the NFC to the AFC, the AFC is way more loaded than what you, the right. NFC has because in the NFC you have, what, the Eagles and the Buccaneers and maybe the Packers, if you're thinking about it. And the 49ers look good, but do you trust Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo? That's that's your big concern there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I like your prediction, though, with those two teams. It'll be interesting. So, like I said, we're at the Student Union today on the campus of UCM The Beat. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're going to look at the MLB postseason. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than cooking up a big meal for family and friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in America who are struggling with hunger. These children, that's one out of every five, often have to skip meals because there's just nothing to eat in the kitchen. Yet there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food produced right here in America to feed every last hungry child. If only there was a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across our country. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America at your local food bank and at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
and welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah, on the campus of UCM in the Student Union, and we're on the time for MLB, guys. It's great. So we're going to start off with some big moves that have happened, some managers stepping down, manager that got fired, and then we're going to talk to Aaron Judge, and then we're getting into the big bad postseason because the postseason is right around the corner. It starts tomorrow with the wild card games. But like I said, let's get right into it with the managers. First off, the Chicago White Sox manager, Tony La Russa, is stepping down because of health. And you're wondering, why is he doing that? Well, he's had some big health problems. He hasn't even managed the game since August 30th. He thinks it's time to step away. He doesn't want to be a distraction to the team. It makes sense. The team did not do as well as they thought they would. And it's okay. It happens. We'll see who they go with for their new manager come next season. But it's going to be interesting to see another big change that is happening. The Royals, Kansas City Royals announced last night that manager Mike Matheny and pitching coach Cal Eldred have been fired and let go. Mike Matheny went 165 wins to 219 losses in his uh, record with the Royals. And last season, or this season I should say, he went 65-97. and 97. It was a huge letdown year for the Royals. Everyone thought the Royals could maybe make a shot at making a slim wildcard spot. Sadly, it was not the case. They played bad, poor, poor pitching, poor everything. The rookies and... Uh, prospects look real well for them and promising, but there's got to be a change somewhere, and it happened to be with Mike Matheny as well as Dane Moore and Cal Edred. The Royals are making a clean sweep of the, the clubhouse and hoping to make a huge change come next year. And finally, Aaron Judge. He did it. He hit home run number 62 against the Rangers on October 4th on Tuesday night. It was great to see. He broke the AL record for home runs in a single season. Does not break the MLB record for home runs in a single season. Only the AL, Barry Bonds, holds the whole MLB home run record. It was great to see it. Everyone was getting kind of nervous because he only had two more games, and he finally did hit that final home run. The fan that catches it is in for a huge payday if he decides not to keep the ball, or he's going to get a lot of memorabilia, jerseys, signed stuff from the Yankees. Whatever the case, the guy that caught the ball is in sole possession of whatever he wants to do with the ball. Fun fact, Aaron Judge hit six more hit six home runs. Six more home runs than Joey Gallo had hit. Yeah, so Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs, and Joey Gallo only had 56 total hits all season. I'm sorry, Joey, I had to do it to you, but it is a very weird stat knowing that Joey Gallo was an all-star last year, played at a high level, and then this year just couldn't find any rhythm or any way to get the ball moving, putting the ball on the bat. Now, it's going to be insane to see what happens with the Yankees moving forward because they are the two-seed in the playoffs. So as I am talking about the Yankees being a two-seed, let's get right into it with the postseason pitcher. I have the bracket in front of me. I'm going game or series through series, game through game. Let's get into it. Let's start on the AL side. Let's start with the three-seed, the Cleveland Guardians, taking on the six-seed, the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay is not on a hot streak whatsoever. They are 2-8 in their last 10 games. Like I said last week, the Guardians are a young team looking to make a point because they are so young. It's a best of three. The wild card is now the best of three. It's not that one game series. So I do like the Cleveland Guardians to move on. The Guardians would move on and play the Yankees for a best of five series. But let's move on down to the bottom part of this bracket where another side of the wild card spot is the Seattle Mariners at the five and the Toronto Blue Jays at the four best of three it's going to be fun I think it's going to go down to uh, the the young pitching staff for Toronto I do think Seattle has the rookies to do it Julio Rodriguez I have Seattle moving on to play the Houston Astros and as I'm talking about it I have a uh, guest coming on also to talk to me about some MLB and it's going to be fun because I get to see his perspective of it 
Absolutely. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm Jack. Jack. Nice to meet you, Jack. Nice we to meet just, you. just started talking about the postseason, man. Perfect. Have you been keeping up with the MLB of late? Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit? All little right. Bit, yeah. So uh, I just went over the this series, the Cleveland Guardians versus the Tampa Bay Rays, the 360. Who do you think can make it out of that wild card spot best of three series? Um, I like Cleveland a lot. I, uh, I think their pitching is uh, – their depth in pitching is going to help them stay through there. Uh, Tampa kind of struggles when they get to the playoffs because they don't have the depth that everybody else has. Um, they've also had a couple injuries this year, so I think that Cleveland wins that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's. I think it probably goes five or six. Well, it's the best of three, so I or, think it'll sorry, go three. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. I bet it goes all three games. I all like three, Cleveland yeah. as well. Uh, I was t- just talking about the yeah. Seattle and uh, Toronto series, the five four. Uh, I, I, like I said, I think Seattle all around is just structural better than Toronto. That's why I think Seattle moves on. But what is your thoughts on that series? So I think that you're right. Uh, Seattle's probably structured better. But I think um, when it comes to Toronto, their their starting pitchers are a little bit more dominant. So it might get them through a three-game series uh, a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, I think that they also have some um, experience with George Springer and guys like that that have made it to the playoffs before the Seattle's been – you know, struggled to get there for the last couple of years. So I think Toronto uh, won that series. Yeah, I totally forgot George Springer is even on that team. Yeah, yeah that's that's crazy. And it would be crazy if uh, Toronto does move on because then George Springer's playing his old-town That'd team in awesome. Houston, That'd right? Awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll stick to the AL side. The best of five comes to the ALDS. You have the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees. Who do Man, you like in that series? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see the Yankees losing. You don't see I, the Yankees I, losing? I mean, they'll, they might drop a game here yeah. and there, but – they uh they look dominant and they're getting a bunch of guys that have been hurt back. They get Matt Carpenter back. They'll get uh Bader is it Bader right? Yeah, Bader. Uh, yeah. Uh, he go- comes back. Um, oh, is it Garrett? Was Garrett Cole hurt there too? But he count. He's yeah, he's, back. he's been back pitching. Yeah, recently, so, so. Uh, he's been. I, I just I just like the depth there too. Okay. Um, I think when it comes to the playoffs, one one of the big things is depth, especially in pitching. Oh yeah. And uh, New York has that for sure, and. Cleveland does too, but to have to go from the wild card to pitching meant so a lot of your main guys to try to win a three-game series and then go to New York, it's going to be tough. Oh, yeah, and I'll say this. The Yankees, I'm not I'm not a big fan of how they play because it's either a home run or yeah. a strikeout. But in a series like this, Cleveland's going to probably come off a tough series against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a little more uh, down uh, – not down, but they're going to be more out of breath and mm-hmm. shorthanded. I think the Yankees can get past the Cleveland Guardians. Another thing that's going to be key is I, the Yankees are way more veteran-led than yep. what the Cleveland Guardians are. I just think the Guardians are too young. Maybe next year would be a year where you can see the Guardians taking over for the Yankees here. Yeah, so, but this year, it's just not going to happen, I don't so, think. So I've talked about this with some of my buddies. Uh, you got guys on that team like Josh Donaldson and John, John Carlos Stanton that, you know, they're veterans that, you know, you know what you're going to get out of them in the playoffs. Right. Um, Cleveland's kind of unproven because they haven't really been there with their young uh, core. And um, But I, I, I think that, you know, Josh Donaldson's kind of been struggling here the last couple of weeks. But I think that he'll really come alive and show you, like, you know, he's still got it here as a veteran. Um, right. And kind of just – because you know what you're going to get out of him. So. Right, right. And then moving on to the bottom part of this, the bracket, you got Seattle versus Houston. Who do you like? I already know who I like in this series, but who uh, you like Toronto? So if you Toronto versus Houston, who I do would you like, like Toronto? But I like Houston too. I don't like Houston, but I think they're going to win. Right. So that. that's <laughs> your thing. So we both agree. No matter who wins this series, you believe Houston's moving yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I think they're there. It comes down to experience. Right. Um, they have obviously been, you know, the last uh, five years probably um, pretty solid and. They still have that, you know, they still have Verlander and Altuve and the, some of their core guys that have been around for a while, and I, I think that they'll make it out of that series pretty easily. Yeah, and then for your series, you have New York. Uh, we both have New York versus Houston. Who do you, you like New York, I'm assuming, going to the World Series, the way you were talking about? Yeah, How I was about to say, yeah. Um, I think Aaron Judge is really just going to kind of carry them into this because um, – there's a lot of guys, you know, on the Yankees that are kind of inconsistent, but Aaron Judge has consistently been good. Yeah. Um, which you can't really say about Houston. There's not one guy that's been just consistently um, good throughout the whole series or throughout the whole season. <clears throat> but Aaron Judge has not slowed down. Yeah. Um, which I think is huge because longevity in the uh, playoffs is obviously key. So It's going to be interesting to see uh, with the Houston-Yankee series because Houston's pitchers are actually prone to striking out a lot of batters, yeah. but 
the one pitcher that's not is Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander is that ace for Houston. So if New York can get to the ace, Justin Verlander, then that's when they're going to have their opportunity to take the strike. I'm feeling right now Houston is going to the World Series. We'll see what happens. You never know. They could get upset somewhere down the line. But I like – I mean, both our picks, New York or Houston, is going to be a solid pick for the AL. Um, To be honest with you, I see them maybe using Verlander as maybe a relief-type guy just because you don't know – like you said, he's not a strikeout guy. You're going to need some longevity when it comes to middle innings, um, and you know what you're going to get at Verlander. So I think – I don't know if you remember Madison Bumgarner, they – they took him out of his starting position put him as a closer because he was so dominant in that way, and I think that's kind of what they'll use Verlander for, um, saying that, you know, you got to have strikeout pitchers against New York. If you're in Kansas City, who doesn't remember Madison Bumgarner, Gosh, what he man, did to I the Royals? Yikes. Still can't stand uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> man, it, it's so tough. All uh, right, let's move on to the NL side. We'll start with the 3-6 and six seed as well. you got the St. Louis Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies. Who do you like in that series? Man, it's – I. As a Royals fan, it hurts me to say this, but the Cardinals, man, they yeah. look good. Yeah, man. They look good. That's who I like as well. Um, you know, uh, Goldie's been an MVP candidate all year. Arenado's been an MVP candidate all year. Um, Pujols has obviously been on fire. Where did he come from? kind of crazy. <laughs> but, um, and their pitching is just so good. You know, they've got, all got that veteran experience around them. Um, I think it'll be huge having Pujols, uh, Verland- or not Verlander, sorry, Wainwright and uh, – Yada Amelina all in that lineup, just that, that experience helping those young guys along in the playoffs is yeah. huge. I mean, Albert Pujols, who would have thought hitting seven yeah, home dude. runs? And honestly, all those home runs came at crucial times throughout yeah, the absolutely. season. It's, it's crazy. Clutch. Yeah. Um, I like St. Louis as well. I think the Phillies, they're honestly lucky they got here. They started yeah. losing at the wrong time. Brewers then started losing. It was just like, uh, who wants the six seed? I don't yeah. know who wants it. <laughs> But um, I like St. Louis as well. Who do you like in the 4-5 matchup, the Mets or the Padres? It's tough, man. I, I'll tell you what, Machado's look good, um, but Juan Soto's kind of been a letdown since he got oh. to San Diego. Um, so it's kind of just depends on what so- what Soto you get, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, obviously, you you know, you're going to get the Mets, who have a dominant pitching staff. Um, but I just think it's going to be it's going to be really tight. Either way it goes. I don't see him beating L.A. Yeah, so, I mean, I I, it could go either way there. Right. Well, like I said, it's really just dependent on what I think what you get from Soto because he's such an energy guy that if you get, you know, some good at-bats out of him and stuff and some, you know, good plays that I think you're going to get some energy around the rest right. of the team. But. And honestly, that's why I thought last week in series with the Mets and Braves was more like a wild card mm-hmm. playing game for these two teams because whoever loses has to play not only the wild card spot, but, oh, you win, you get to go to play at yeah. L.A. So, like, you didn't want that, and New York just was like, oh, let's get swept yeah. and let's go play hardball, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning towards the Mets mm-hmm. just because, I don't know, I think it would be more – it would be really cool to see the Mets and Dodgers go at it. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you get the Padres-Dodgers, I mean, that's a rivalry in the yeah. NL West. So oh, it's either way you look at it, no matter what you pick here, I think we both agree whoever wins this series isn't beating L.A. Mm-hmm. And so, well, t- to be honest with you, um, I've seen uh, throughout the year San Diego's kind of had L.A.'s number. Um, even when they're not playing great, they've kind of, you know, split series with them pretty evenly this year, I feel like. Um, so you're saying if you I, if believe, San Diego you believe, makes it through. You believe more in San Diego beating the Dodgers than the Mets. Absolutely. Yes. I do. Okay. Um, but I still – that's not the, saying you, that you, I right, think right, 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 right. beat them. You're just, just giving them the more of the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I think that the once you get to here, you, I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. All right, St. Louis or the Braves? Man, that's a tough series. That's going to be a really good series. I think it goes all five. Oh, yeah, I think it does too. Um, And I think it comes down to who can get the most out of their pitchers. Yep. Um, As we've talked about during, you know, the beginning of this is whoever you can get to the longevity out of pitchers, it's going to be – that's that's really where you're at. Um, St. Louis is, you know, like I said, had that experience, but so is Atlanta at this point, and so it's just kind of – I don't know. Just kind of depends. It's at the NL is such a wild or such a toss up for me because there's so many teams that could go so far, but yet they've kind of honestly underperformed. I like I like the Braves a lot, mm-hmm. and I might I might I, I'm not a big St. Louis fan. I'm obviously a yeah. Royals fan, but it'd be so cool to see 
Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, make it all the way to the NLCS, play against the Dodgers one mm-hmm. more time, give them another chance to go to the World Series. It'd just be, it would be like, what a storytell ending you would have Man, for those kids for St. Louis. Yeah. Um, but I'm going, as much as I want to see that, I'm going to pick Atlanta. I think Atlanta is, I think Atlanta has got hot at the right time. Yeah, And I think, I think Atlanta absolutely. has a huge shot at beating the Dodgers in the NLCS. So I'm going Atlanta, and I'm actually going to take Atlanta in six games to beat the Dodgers. Wow, that's a hot take, man. <laughs> I, I can't say I'm going to do that, but I am going to take LA in seven. You're taking LA in seven? Okay. I'm going to take LA in seven. So, and I'll tell you what, the thing is with them is you still have Freeman and Mookie Betts there who are both uh, MVP candidates this year. Yeah. And the dominant pitching staff that you've always had from them. Right. It's just tough to beat L.A. They're they're so solid uh, one through nine that it's, it's just tough to team to beat. All right. For, especially for a seven game oh, series. Oh, right. So who do you like winning the World Series this year, Yankees or Dodgers? Man. <laughs> I'm going to go a hot take here. Uh-huh. I say New York. You're taking New York. Yep, okay. in six, though. Ooh, in New six. York in six. I know that's a hot take. But New York has gotten hot, and I like the I like the um, what word am I trying to think of here? I like the aura around them yeah, right now. Yeah. I feel like they're they're out kind of their for chemistry blood. They're, is yeah, they're, right they're, there. They're they're all getting kind of excited because you know they're getting these pieces put finally put back together, and um, you know they had a little bit of struggles there. They started off super hot and then struggled for a long time. Yeah, there, and I think they're kind of finally putting it back together. So. Yeah. So me and you both have different World Series matchups. I have Houston versus Atlanta. And I- I think it would be a really remember the matchup they have always won it mm-hmm. back Atlanta because they thought about it last well, was it last year they won it back it would be back to back World Series against each other was that yeah yeah uh, was it two years ago or was it last year because oh it was last year Jorge Soler had those uh, yeah you're performance right. so you're it'd be right. back to back World Series matchups I didn't even think about that as I was doing this <laughs> but um, I think this year Houston would take it in that matchup because I don't think uh, Atlanta has that revolution of uh, bench players because when yeah. they had the bench last year you had Jorge Absolutely. Soler Rosario I think Houston does it this year and I think they're back on track but whatever the case we both like the AL to win the World Series yeah. this year so I have Houston winning in seven over Atlanta so it'll be a very I think it's gonna be a great postseason this year I think there's a I, lot of stories anyway yeah. there's a lot anyway. of stories you can tell I mean Albert Pujols you have Seattle finally making it since 2000 mm-hmm. I mean one so it's it's gonna be a fun postseason this year and may the best team win I think this is one of the most uh even throughout the whole you know playoffs when it comes to teams uh that we've seen in a long time I think that you know last year we had a dominant Astros who came through and kind of just stomped everybody in the same way with Atlanta and LA they kind of just went ran through everybody so um I think that you know this is going to be a lot more even matchups around the board so a lot more games that are going to be decided by one run or less absolutely well it can't be less than one run but you you know what I mean (laughs) right well hey thanks for coming on man Absolutely, thank you for having me appreciate it yeah you have a great day too all righty guys we're about to take another break like I said we're at the union here on the campus of UCM and if you didn't know, for those of you that don't know, UCM The Beat is your campus radio station. Our format is college student radio. So whereas a country music station will play country or a pop station will play only pop music, college student radio is eclectic. You'll hear hip-hop and pop, country and Broadway show tunes, classic rock and alternative music. We also have talk shows, broadcast UCM instrumental and vocal ensembles and sports. UCM The Beat, the best in college student radio. To listen, check out ucmthebeat.com or download the Beat app. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano and then the accordion, and then the cello. 
my wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. And welcome back to UCM The Beat. I'm your host, JT Noah, and we're talking college football. Let's get right into it. We're talking about all the coaches that have been fired. We're talking Bryce Young, who's injured. And we're talking about those big matchups that happened last week. Let's get right into it, folks, with the Wisconsin firing of head coach Paul Christ. Paul Christ won 72% of his games. He was 67-27 and as a coach for Wisconsin. So what went wrong with him at Wisconsin? I think there's a lot of things that happened with him. And one of those big keys had to be what was going on through the system of the NIL deals, all the transferring, all that stuff. I think that had a huge part to do with what was happening. And I also believe he just didn't have the joy for coaching anymore. So I think he took that into consideration. And the reason I believe that is because he took a pay cut. He could have had $16 million when they buy out his contract. Instead, he took 11. So it shows you that I think it was a mutual agreement with Wisconsin to let him go. They just said they fired. But I think it was more of a, like a mutual agreement. Moving on, we have Bryce Young, who's day-to-day. He hurt himself in the Arkansas game with his shoulder. But luckily, Alabama did take over in the third, in the fourth quarter excuse me, and won that game. It was a huge win for Alabama against a, a feisty Arkansas team down in Arkansas. It was good to see that Alabama can win without Bryce Young. But it's also a question because Bryce Young is such a small quarterback. How will he handle big players when he goes to the NFL in case he does go to the NFL come this spring, this summer? We'll see what happens there. I think he's a little bit too small. He's got to build it up, get those muscles going, drink some milk. All you got to do right there. Now let's move on to these games, man, that happened last week. Let's start with the teams that were beat by unranked opponents. First up, number 15, Washington. They lost to UCLA 40-32. to UCLA came out firing, played well. The quarterback was going fire for UCLA. Washington could just never stop that UCLA offense. It was great to see UCLA is now ranked. They're undefeated. It's cool to see that as well. Chip Kelly doing something there for UCLA finally. Number 17, Texas A&M, also lost. They lost to Mississippi State, and they got walked over by Mississippi State. Another game where you don't want to lose. Jimbo Fisher loses. They lose 42-24. to Not a very good showing by the Texas A&M offense or the defense, but the offense was just not clicking for the Aggies in that game. They lose 42-24. to Another one that got walked all over, Oklahoma. Oh, boy, do I have so much to talk about Oklahoma. Number 18, Oklahoma, loses to TCU 55-24. to One of the craziest things I've seen that day on Saturday was Twitter going, who's going to score more points? Who's going to score to 62 first, TCU or Aaron Judge? Well, Aaron Judge did because TCU didn't get to 62. Number 21, Minnesota, lose, lost to Purdue 20-10. to Just showed how bad Minnesota was highly overrated. Number 24, Pitt. Uh, Beat Georgia Tech, excuse me, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech beat Pitt 26-21. And it's just insane to me how these two, especially Minnesota, was ranked over Kansas and they get in and then they lose. It's the funniest thing you'll see. Uh, it's a great thing to see with, I love upsets, so when you see an unranked team uh, beat a ranked team, it's always a joy to have. And I think it's a, it's a great thing to have in college sports. And that's why we love college sports. Now, I have a special guest on here, once again, since we are at the Union. Uh, what's the name, sir? Skyler. Skyler, nice to meet you, Skyler. Uh, I was going to ask you some games. You know much about college football? You watch college football? Yeah, I do. Awesome. That is awesome to hear. Let's let's talk about some games that I think are going to be really crucial this weekend. Gotcha. First up, we have number eight, Tennessee. They're a three-point favorite versus number 25, LSU. Who do you like in that game? Uh, Just probably Tennessee, just based on the fact that they've been – 
performing at a high rate all year. Uh, I don't think LSU is just going to cover it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, a three-point is not much, and it's on the road. So, in a sense, if they were at home, they would be a six-point favorite because you get that three-point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't know what you're going to get with LSU. LSU had to come back against a really bad Auburn team last yeah. week. So, next up is uh, number 11, Utah, versus number 18, UCLA. Uh, Utah's a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Who do you like in that one? Uh Honestly, UCLA, uh, they had a really nice game last week against Washington. Uh, really nice uh, upset win, I would feel like. Uh, Utah, they've been pretty good since uh, that loss to Florida. And, yeah, I think UCLA will pull off the upset in that one. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like you, like you said, UCLA did have that really good game against Washington. Utah, I think, had that one flumber against Florida. It was mm-hmm. in the swamp. And Florida hasn't looked that good at all this yeah. season. Um, I I, I want to say Utah because actually I had Utah in my, my playoffs early pre- uh, prediction. Mm-hmm. But I think UCLA is hot right now, and you just can't go against a hot hand. So I'm going to take UCLA as well. Gotcha. Another game that I think is going to be really cool, uh, great is going to be Florida State headed to number 14, NC State. NC State at home is only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you like in that? NC State. Uh, I mean, they played Clemson last week, and – that was a really competitive game, I felt, for the first three quarters of that. And I think playing Clemson, it's hard, uh, especially in Death Valley. So Florida State just hasn't looked that great. They had that loss against Wake Forest last week. And I think NC State's going to be probably a potential two-score favorite in that. You think so? Okay. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just overhyping Florida State a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I just I feel like Florida State – had looked good until last week. They lost, obviously, to Wake Forest. And they, like you said, they didn't play it too competitive. I just, I've always thought maybe NC State was a little bit over, overranked. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they played real well with Clemson last week and Death Valley. So I'm going to stick with what I think and Florida State may be pulling off the upset here. Gotcha. But I do like your pick with NC State. Now, here is where I think there's the game of the day, obviously. Uh, number 17, TCU is a seven-point road favorite at Lawrence against number 19, Kansas. How do you think this game is going to go? I see a TCU win, personally. You do? Uh, okay. I think Kansas just hasn't had that great opponents until last week with Iowa State. They lucked into that. The kicker missed three, <laughs> three field, yeah. field goals. Uh, TCU, they had a really convincing win against Oklahoma. Granted, it's not the same Oklahoma team we're used to seeing. So – I can see that happening with TCU beating Kansas. Uh, it'd be a great win if Kansas gets that. I mean, they've been ranked for the first time probably decade, I'd say. Yeah, 2009. So, I I like you. I'm going to say this. I like I like TCU. My girlfriend's going to be mad at me. She's a huge Kansas fan, but I like TCU a lot. I don't like them a lot, but I do like TCU enough. I think Kansas covers the seven point spread. I think TCU wins. And like you said, Kansas honestly should have lost last week. Freshman kicker doesn't miss three field goals. You're not sitting at uh, five and zero. You're sitting at four and one. Yeah. Okay. And here's my upset of the week in college. I think Arkansas beats Mississippi State in Mississippi State. Mississippi State's an eight point favorite at home. Do you think Arkansas can pull off that upset? I think they could. Uh, they played Bama really close. Granted, uh, Bama had a lot of special teams problems last week against Arkansas, especially at the start of that second half. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of Mississippi State, to be honest with you, uh, but Mississippi State looks pretty good, I'd say. Uh, Arkansas, they've been really streaky. I think that if they get on a hot streak going into the start of the game, I think it could be close. They could pull off the upset, but that's going to be a toss-up. Yeah, it will be. And I, I, I just – I don't know. I think Arkansas, they had – the, I think the bad loss to Texas A&M, which I do believe on the missed field goal at the end of the game. And then last week they had the loss to Alabama, even though they were competitive once Bryce Young went out. But in the fourth quarter, they let it go away, let it get away. So great picks. I like those picks. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put you on the spot real quick. You, you watch a lot of college football. Who do you think will make the playoffs this year? For right now, ooh. I think Georgia's probably the first favorite. I mean, they've been coming off that national championship game, win against uh, Alabama. Alabama. Uh, so I think they're top favorite. I mean, the Mizzou game's just probably just a fluke, personally. Uh, that Mizzou kicker kicking five field goals, just holding them off till the fourth quarter, That's I think that's just going to be a fluke. Uh, 
Bama could be another good one if they can get their special teams under control. Uh, that's not like Nick Saban. I think he'll adjust with that. Uh, Clemson could be a really good favorite if they just keep on their hot streak through the ACC. Last pick. Probably have to say Ohio State. Okay. Maybe Michigan. Michigan's been looking really good all year. So I think it'd be a toss-up between Ohio State and Michigan. Okay. Uh, mine are – I will go – I'm going to go – I'm going to go Georgia. Like you said, it could have been a fluke against Mizzou. I'm a Missouri fan, and I can tell you Missouri don't play like that every week. I <laughs> wish they would, but they don't. Um, number two is Ohio State. I think Ohio State, C.J. Stroud has looked great. Number three, see, this is where it gets a little tricky because now you've got to think of something. I'm going to go three. I'm going to say Alabama. I think Georgia and Alabama are going to go pretty much even all the way down, and then one of them is going to lose in the SEC championship, and they're probably going to keep one of both of them in there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go out on a limb and go with a fourth one, and I I don't know why I'm doing this. It's bad for the brain cells. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's looked good. Big 12 is actually more competitive this year than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So if they can get out of there with maybe uh, no losses and win the Big 12, then they really have a solidified chance of making it. Very well possible. Well, thank you, man, for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on, talking some college football. Uh, Hopefully your picks go well like mine do. We'll see. It's always fun to have picks. Um, Have a great rest of your day on this beautiful day in uh, Warrensburg, Missouri. And like I said, thank you again for coming on. All right, thank you. Yeah. All righty, guys. We're going to talk about teams that have disappointed me personally in college football right now. Let's get into it. The, The number five team that has disappointed me this season has to be Arizona State. Arizona State's 1-4, in 0-2 in conference. Their losses have been to Oklahoma State. They lost 34-17. They lost to Eastern Michigan 30-21. to They've lost to Utah. Utah isn't a bad loss, but it is how they lost. They lost 34-13, to and then they lost to USC 42-25. to After the Eastern Michigan game, they fired their head coach, Herm Edwards. If you, know, if you recognize that name, it's because he was a head coach one time for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was fired then, and he's been fired at Arizona State. So... It shows you what happens in college football. He just took Arizona State to a bowl game last year. Both Wisconsin and Arizona State were in the same bowl game, and they have fired their coaches this year early on in the season. It just shows what happens in college football. My number four team that has disappointed me, huh, just talked about them, Wisconsin. They're 2-3 and three and 0-2 oh in conference as well. And the reason I put them here is because their two losses that they've had have been bad. They lost to Ohio State 52-21 to on primetime on a Saturday night on ABC, and then they lost last week to Illinois 34-10. to 34-10, folks. They lost to the, the head coach they fired to get the coach they had now, and they got blown out by their old head coach 34-10 to at their own stadium. Bad. Number three, Oklahoma. And you're surprised it's not higher, but there's been two teams that I think have just been worse. Oklahoma... It's 3-2. They have two losses, and those two losses haven't looked good. <laughs> K-State beat them 41-34, and TCU won 56-24. Folks, they hired a defensive-minded head coach from Clemson, Brett Venable. And guess what? Venable hasn't done anything to help the defensive side of the ball. You would think that's where they would be better at. Instead, they've been worse. They've been averaging and giving up in the last two games over 557 yards a game. That is incredibly very bad. If you don't know if that is bad, it's very bad, folks. So that's why they're number three. Number two is Texas A&M. And Texas A&M has a winning record as well. They're 3-2, and two and they're 1-1 one one in conference play. And you're probably thinking, why are you putting them there? Well, I'm telling you, Jimbo Fisher has the number one recruiting class, and you still can't win. You've had top 10 recruiting classes the last three years, and you still can't find ways to win. You lost to Appalachian State on your own turf, 17-14, to and then you went to Mississippi State and laid an egg and lost 42-24. to It's incredible what Jimbo Fisher has done. He can't figure out that he has to change up his playbook on offense. He's still running a 2010 playbook, and it's not working for him. He's going to learn the hard way. He might be on the hot seat. I don't think he is, but he possibly could be if this team does not get their things in order before the end of the season and my number one disappointing team so far of the college football season is none other than Spartans of Michigan State they're two and three they're 0 and two in conference they were ranked then they lost to Washington 
39 to 28 in Washington. Then they lose to Minnesota, 34 to 7. And then last week they lost to Maryland, 27 to 13. They just signed the head coach to a big contract extension because guess what? He had a great year last year. They they beat Michigan. They get blown out by Ohio State. Oh, we're good. We're gonna do great. Tucker has not done anything besides last year, and he's lucky he had who he had last year to show him what's up because if he doesn't have that, then he has nothing on his resume. He's an average coach, and they paid way overpriced for him, and it's showing this year. They're 2-3. and three. They've lost three straight after being ranked. They've looked very bad, and I think Michigan State is in for a horrible, no good rest of their season. So number five is Arizona State, four is Wisconsin, three is Oklahoma, two is Texas A&M, and one is Michigan State. Those are my disappointing teams of the week and of the season. And my last thing before I do go from the union is I want to give two shout-outs. One shout-out to Kansas. Congratulations to Kansas on getting college game day to finally come to Lawrence. That place is going to be rocking on Saturday where they have one of the most electric games probably of the weekend with TCU coming to town. It's crazy to think about this, though. College game, they picked TCU versus Lawrence over the Red River rivalry of Oklahoma and Texas and Texas A&M versus Alabama. Think about all the hype that Texas A&M and Alabama had going into the season. Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban were going at each other about the NILs and the transfer portals and recruiting. And the Red River rivalry has always been good. And just to think about, oh, Kansas is getting college game day on that exact weekend is insane. So congrats to Kansas not for not only getting college game day, but being ranked for the first time since 2009. And my last shout-out, we already talked about how Georgia played bad against them. But, man, I'll say this. Missouri coming off a horrible, no-good loss to Auburn where they should have beat a really bad Auburn team. They played tight with Georgia, and if you bet it on Georgia, I'm sorry for you because it was a 40-point point favorite, and they only won by four. They didn't even get the lead till four minutes and ten seconds left in the game. That's how close Missouri was to pulling off the upset probably of the season. It just shows when you win an upset, you can't kick field goals. They kicked five of them and lost 20 uh, 26 to 22. Just so close for those Missouri Tigers. Well, folks, it's been fun. It's been at the UCM, the Union Student Center on the campus of UCM. I've had a great time. I got to meet some great people, talk to Roman. I talked to some other guests about MLB postseason. It was great to get their insight and what they thought was going to happen with MLB postseason and the college football. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great one. Remember, every Thursday, right here on UCM The Beat from noon to one, just talking sports with your man, yours truly, JT Noah. I know, it's a great guy. He listens, he talks great. He's a smooth talker. But listen, come back every Thursday, noon to one, to listen to me. Also, I just want to say, my dad, he was in a car accident this morning. Uh, I know he's listening. Uh, I hope you're doing well, Dad. Um, Get better and stop being stubborn to Mom. All right, guys, I'm out. Peace.